0: Good morning, morning. and welcome to worship here at Springfield Church of the Brethren. Welcome those who are are joining us here in person. Our scripture today um, two parts from John 7 37, 44, and 8 12 through 20. If you wanted to follow along in your Pew Bible, the first reading is on page 757. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes me, as the Scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. But by this he meant the scripture, um, he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit has not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified on hearing his words some of the people said surely this man is the prophet others said he is the Christ still others asked how can the Christ come from Galilee does not the scripture say that Christ will come from David's family and from Bethlehem and the town where David lived Thus the people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. It's actually on the same page, 8, 12 through 20. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know where I come from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I come from and where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are right because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two men is valid. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, Where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple area, near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his time had not yet come. Blessed is the word. Amen. I never really needed a compass growing up. That's one of the upsides of living in a small valley. I always knew what direction everything was in. Tussie Mountain, the larger of the mountains around us, was north by northwest. Leading Ridge, south by southwest, and uh, Round Top was roughly was roughly east of us as the sun would rise over it. I didn't really have to worry. I couldn't get lost in those woods. Any direction I walked, I'd eventually hit either a mountaintop or one of the many roads. But I remember the first time my father had us using a compass, it was at a, a father-son retreat. It was an idea my father saw at another, or seen at another camp, and, and thought to bring back to Camp Blue Diamond and inviting Dads and, and sons up through through elementary age, the, to come and spend a week in a camp, and it was a little more of a, a woodsman skill camp than others. So we would do things like going and looking for certain animals, building things, learning how to start fires, and orienteering, or the finding your way across the world using a map and a compass. So when I learn, you have your compass. You know where your bearing is according to the map, and then to stay that, you lift up your compass. No, I'm going west. Look west until you find a tree west of you, and you head straight towards that tree. And when you get to that tree, you do it again until you get where you're going. Very simple orienteering, but it really never meant a lot to me because I didn't need it in my everyday life. I live in an age where I knew where I was going according to the roads. And by the time I was old enough to really be driving around myself, GPSs had become somewhat common. So I never really thought about a compass a lot until I was at hospice. Now I had two wonderful mentors, Dan and Mark. They were interesting, to say the least. It was, I don't know if it's a hospice chaplain thing or just these two guys who happened to be the two full-time hospice chaplains there. They were both gigantic nerds. They were awesome nerds. I, I, I stopped at both of their houses at one time or the other, and, and Dan had huge collections of, of uh Different superhero memorabilia, along with sports stuff, and just general collections. Mark, on the other hand, had even more, but it was all old toys and superheroes. went downstairs, and he and I geeked out at the huge collection of Star Wars stuff that he had. It was a lot of fun, and I gave him a hard time because his Voltron had the arms on the wrong sides. And he said he got it from his net from his cousin, who had glued it that way, and he couldn't fix it. Sure, sure, Mark. As I was leaving, he gave me this. It's a little clock on top and a compass on the bottom. Mark had served in the Navy, which was kind of odd, because he shared the exact same first and last name as a fellow seminary student who was also in the Navy about the same time. But that was just a weird dink. But Mark had also been in the Navy before he, before he entered the ministry and became a chaplain. And for him, the compass had always been a symbol of finding your way in the world. Because, of course, compasses are still important on ships today. Even with the advent of GPS systems, you don't want to be caught out there without having backup. You need to know where you're going. For him... He thought about his life and how he had gone through it, and he knew, he knew the importance of knowing where your true north was. And so he gifted this to me to remind me of always finding my way home to God. Now, I, it, this, this story brings a little tear to my eye because Mark really was a wonderful man. Only a few years older than me, but a really good man that I became good friends with as well as being a mentor. And he, He passed away last year from COVID. It was hard. But I know he had his compass. I know he found his way home. We don't think often in our lives how easy it is to get lost. In this day and age, as I said, all I have to do to find my way home is to pull out my phone and hit the map icon and say, send me home, and I'll get there. But it doesn't mean it can't be lost in other parts of our lives. Now, today, We often read these scriptures, and we we hear the stories and what Jesus are saying, but we don't always understand what's going on. And and this is a festival called, I'm going to horribly butcher this, Sukkot, or Sukkot, or Sukkot, I'm looking at Chris, hoping she's like, no, or yes, Well, well, just go with it. We call it the festival of booths, or the festival of tabernacles, which is much easier to say. It was a celebration that happened every year to remember the exodus. It's called the Festival of Booths because they would go and make, essentially, woodland structure, booths. Not like, like you know, what you see when you go to like, the market, but more like, you know, rough-built cabins. And they would stay there. And this was the harvest season, so it was a party. People would... Basically, this is like going to the campground at 4th of July, where everyone's hanging out around the fires, enjoying stories and and songs and being together. It was a time of work, but it was a time of party. To remember everything God had given them, that God had led them to. It is in this festival that this story, so pretty much everything from beginning of seven. Till um, so halfway through, I think it's chapter 10, it all takes place during this festival or around this festival. We got to think about what they were celebrating and put Jesus's words into context. Now, we all kind of know the Exodus story, but let's, let's stop and think about this. They are taken out of their homes. Now, these are people who, for a couple hundred years, had been living in Egypt in their, quote-unquote, valley. They knew which way north and south and east and west were. You know, they they lived on the eastern banks of the river, of the Nile Delta. They knew that to their west was the Nile, to the north was the Mediterranean, to the south led to to Egypt, and to the, the east led into the deserts. They knew the directions of their lands. They knew where their edges were. But God led them out of all of that. Not only that, God led them through a sea so that they came out in a new place that they never would have expected. I don't know if you've ever done that. You've taken a road by accident and you come out where you didn't expect and it takes you a little while to figure out where you're at. That's where they were. But they weren't doing this alone. God was leading them. And if you read the scriptures, God leads them in in one of two ways. Either God appears to them as a pillar of fire, which happens during the night, or a pillar of cloud during the day. And they follow this cloud or this pillar of fire to wherever God is taking them. And actually, in very short order, and this always feels longer to me, maybe it's just the way I think about it, but in very short order, they make it from where they lived in the land of Goshen to this mountain called Sinai. And there, God gives them an option into entering into covenant with them. And they take it, and then God gives them directions on how to will uphold that covenant. And that's all those laws that start coming on. And there, God also tells them how to build a worship place called the tabernacle. And when the tabernacle is finished and built and it's dedicated, that cloud descends from the skies and lands upon the tabernacle itself. Now, it never really says that there's like a pillar of fire on the tabernacle too. I'm guessing not exactly because, you know, fire and tents don't usually mix. But still, they would know when God was in the tabernacle. So, open up my Bible again, make sure I have my right things in here. So we all know what happens next. They leave, they head up north until they hit the, the lower area of what would eventually be the, the land of Judah and Simeon. They send people out to go check it out, and they come back and say, you know what? We don't like this. The people there are big and scary. Yeah, the land is really nice, and we would love to live there, but they would eat us alive. And so God says, well, I took you here and you've disobeyed me. So guess what? None of you are going in there except for you two guys, uh, Caleb and, Jay, and uh, Joshua, because you listen to me. The rest of you are all going to wander around in the desert for 40 years until all of you die except for those two and there's a new generation who has come up to become adults, and there will be the ones who lead. That's when they spend all the time in the desert. I mean, we're only talking. I, I've once looked at this, and I can't remember anymore. But it's something like only like nine months to a year at most, the time that it took them to go from Goshen to the south end of the land. Very small amount of time. So for 40 years, They wander. But they don't wander without direction. They follow that cloud. They follow the fire. They don't wander without being cared for. When they are thirsty, God provides water. At least twice because, you know, by having, by having um Moses, go to a stone and call forth or strike the stone and bring forth water. They are hungry and God brings them quail and manna from the sky so that they may eat. God watches over them every single day, even in their wanderings, until they have become right with God, until at last they are ready to enter the promised land. So when we think about that, this is the context that Jesus is speaking these words. When he goes up to them and he says, sorry, I gotta find my place again in here. <laughs> I am the light of the world. It's not just simply that Jesus is like the sun that shows us, you know, this everything around us, we need the sun. But Jesus is the light as in the pillar of fire that gives direction in the darkness that leads us where we need to go or the Israelites where they need to go. When Jesus said, I am... Uh, sorry. Uh, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. It's reminding the listeners of when Moses struck the stone and water came forward that God provides Thir- uh, water and food in the desert. It's in this situation. Now, I don't know about you, but I have been lost at times in my life. I'm sure most of you have at one point or another. Even those of us who... Are, I'm, I'm, I'm 36 now. Still not... I'm, I'm getting close to 40. Still not that old. Right? Please? No? Anyone? Okay, fine. I am old. Anyway. Um... There have been times I have been lost, like the Israelites, trying to make myself right with God, not exactly doing what God had wanted me to do. And like the Israelites in the desert, I had a light I could follow, I was being cared for. My needs were being met. I had water to drink. I had food to eat. You know, as we've been talking in John, you know, Jesus is taking these festivals. And, re- and revamping them showing us something different whereas in the old days God had come down as this pillar as God had, had physically brought these this water and this food into the world so that the Israelites may survive while they're on their journey now he's asking us to reorient not on the old stories but on him that this care continues, that it isn't something of the past that we just celebrate because we celebrate it, you know, the same way we we all still celebrate, you know, Independence Day. You know, but we don't have an Independence Day every July 4th, right? We just celebrate that it happened once. Say, so, you no, know, this festival of booths, this festival of tabernacles is one that continues even today, that God came down to be among us. Now, it's different. It's not that God came down to sit in this tabernacle, as as happened before, you know, when the pillar would come down. But rather, God has descended in the form of of him, of Jesus, to walk with us. And he goes on, you know, talk about the spirit that will come down after Jesus on Pentecost to fill our hearts, to live in us, that it will continue. Now, we don't celebrate the Festival of Booths. We just don't. And it's just one of those holidays that never really got a Christian equivalent. But we don't have to because of that. Because every Sunday we come together to celebrate that God continues to lead us, that God came down and, and showed us the way that God continues to feed our souls, our hearts, just as when we come together for communion, we celebrate that as well in a special way. I have to tell you another thing about my friend, Mark. And kind of a funny thing, again, with both of these gentlemen who were both Mark and Dan, who are gigantic nerds and just sweet, wonderful guys. They both also suffered from disorders. Dan, Dan could walk, but he needed a wheelchair most of the time. Mark had MS that would, at times, leave him also in a wheelchair. It was a struggle for him every day. He didn't always know if he would be able to make his visits. Sometimes I'd get a call from him and say, he say, hey, Andrew, I'm not gonna be able to go see this person or that. Would you take care of that today? And I would. He was also the kind of man that when COVID came and he, he knew his health risks were low, I mean, were high, that if he caught it, it might mean that he would, would not make it. But his, for him, he also knew what his call was. He knew the path that God led him on. And so he continued to go visit as he could. He continued to serve his station as a chaplain to those who were dying. He continued to go. He was very involved with, with several groups, of especially for vets. He'd go and he'd serve them. Sometimes he would go in funny ways. He'd like to wear his Iron Man mask, under which he had his paper mask. And he never lost his direction. He knew what he had to do. Now, I'm not saying God is going to lead you necessarily into the same kind of dangerous situations he found himself in. I'm not saying that. Of course, I'm not saying that isn't where God will lead you either. I have no idea. Keep your point, keep your compass up. Know where true north is. When you're at your most confused, pray. Know that God, the source of all, is there, leading you. If you're really, really hard up for a good idea, I think the easiest, the best answer always is, whatever choice you make, make a choice that's filled with love. You'll seldom go wrong with that one. And just keep looking towards God. He'll lead you through. Thank you. So go out knowing that God will lead you. Go out knowing that you are never lost. Even when it seems dark, even when you're not sure where God is leading you, God will lead you home. God will lead you to Him. Blessings and amen.